We now come to our sermon. This morning we'll be looking at Psalm 121. Um, we began our, our summer series in the Psalms of Ascent, this mini uh, album, for lack of a better description, in the middle of the Bible, uh, Psalms 120 through 134. All these are psalms written for and by travelers. Um, travelers that are looking around and finding the world they inhabit as a dissatisfying place and being prompted by that to turn to the beauty of the Lord and to pursue Him. So right now we're looking at the second song in this mini-album, Psalm 121. And this is probably the most uh, famous of the, the Psalms of Ascent. So it's printed for you in your bulletin um, there, or if you have it in your Bible in front of you, turn there. This is God's Word. Good, beautiful, and true. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you show yourself to us through your word. That you communicate who you are so that we can truly know you. And that you tell us of your gospel. That we can flee to you and find your, the sureness of your mercy. And that you care and watch over us. So Lord, I pray in these moments, show us yourself. Show us the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ and teach us, Lord, to trust in you. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you've ever been on a long journey or a long trip before, you know that it helps as you're going along to have a place to look on the horizon, a place to point your eyes, a direction. And it helps to have a song to sing, to give you rhythm for your way. A place to put your eyes and a song to sing as you go. Travelers on the Underground Railroad can tell you as much. Now, history refresher that you probably don't need. The hit Underground Railroad, it, was a, uh, it wasn't underground, technically. It wasn't a railroad either. <laughs> what it was was this network of secret routes and safe houses that led from uh, uh, southern slavery, as enslaved peoples were escaping, to the relative political freedom of the North or Canada. And the Underground Railroad, like I said, it was secret routes and safe houses. It was winding paths. It was through rough terrain. You could only travel at night, about 10 to 20 miles at a time. And when you had to stop to rest or to hide, you would stop at designated spots. There would be barns of sympathetic supporters, or there would be church basements, or, or literally caves that people would stop and hide in and sleep. And this route, the Underground Railroad, it, it was dangerous. Profoundly dangerous. You were exposed to the elements. You were in places you had never heard before if you were traveling on it for freedom. You had never heard of these places and definitely never been there. And you're being pursued by slave hunters. There were literal people whose job it was to patrol and find enslaved people that were trying to escape and grab them and take them back to slavery. So you were literally being pursued on every side. And so the Underground Railroad was this pathway, this, this route to freedom in a sense, but it's a profoundly dangerous route. Now if you read through the accounts of the Underground Railroad, the people who traveled 
They wrote them down years later, and in their memories, what lived big in their imagination was a couple of things, or a couple of things that stuck out to me. The first was the North Star. North Star was huge. They didn't have maps. They didn't have atlases or GPSs or any of that. And if they were traveling at night and they lost their bearings and they didn't know which way to go, they could look up into the night sky and find the North Star and get their orientation to know, where, know which way they needed to go. That was the first one, the place to put their eyes. The second thing that stuck out to me were the songs that they would sing. They had coded messages in these songs that would tell them, like, secretly how, you know, where to go next, which way to take in the fork in the road. Or they would sing songs like, go down on Moses with that refrain you've heard before, let my people go. It was songs to remind them why they were taking this dangerous route in the first place. Now, none of us in here know the depth of oppression and suffering that the slaves that were on the Underground Railroad knew, but Scripture says that we who follow Jesus are on a journey as well. We're on a journey that leads to freedom. We're travelers, and our life here is leading somewhere. God is shaping us. God is forming us. God is bringing us home to himself. He is fulfilling that central promise of Scripture that runs from beginning to end. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That promise that is finally fulfilled in the new heavens and new earth, but that we experience in the here and now as a north star and a song to sing in our hearts. This is God's commitment. And the way is dangerous. As we travel this route, as we follow after Jesus, as we are grasped by His grace, the way still seems so dangerous. A lot of times our traveling feels more like wandering. It doesn't feel like we necessarily really know where we're going. Less like a straight path and more like a circling round and round. You know, two steps forward, three steps back. Sometimes we only know the dangers that we face after we've walked right into them and discover we're stuck. And any progress we actually make feels like a surprise. Sometimes we wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? We too, as we travel, we need a place to put our eyes and we need a song to sing as well. We need our North Star and we need our anthem. And I think in Psalm 121 we find both. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, those things that will carry us through on this journey home to God to find our place. The first uh, section I'm going to talk about is a place to put our eyes. Now, Songs of Ascent, I've talked about this. These were specifically traveling songs for people who were going to Jerusalem three times in the year, marked out in the calendar. Calendar At the time that this psalm was written, if you were a faithful uh, Jewish person, you stopped everything. Halt everything. Work stops. You pack up and you travel to Jerusalem. And when you get there, it's a festival. It's party. It's celebration. It's worship. You get there and you, you participate in all these rituals and all these actions that remind you of how God had worked in the past, how He was continuing to work in the present, how He had promised to work in the future. These were the orienting, orienting things on the calendar. The things that everything else had to form around. So that's what these songs were. These were songs for people who were traveling to these great festivals that reminded them they are not their work. They are not the things they have. They are being led by God home to Him. And when they're there, they're being swept up into the reality of God's promises and they're owning His love as theirs. 
And these festivals, as I'm saying, were times of great joy, of course. The gospel is the best news in the world. But the way to get there, the way to get to Jerusalem, that route to get to the city of promise, it was a dangerous route. It wasn't always easy to get there. You know, most of us don't know the geography of Jerusalem. I've never been there. I've looked at a map. I've looked at pictures. But um, at the time this was written, Jerusalem was a city that was detached from any significant routes. So there weren't any, you know, really great roads to get there. No interstates passed through. Had to take the back lanes to get to Jerusalem. Even though it was an important city, it was off of the significant trade routes. It was also a city that was so surrounded on three sides by these huge ravines, like 200 to 400 feet deep. The only way you could get to the city is from the north. It was the only way to get in. Everything else, no way. And to the west, there were mountains. To the east, there was desert, rough terrain all around. And so if you were traveling to Jerusalem, this was not necessarily the easiest route. It wasn't a walk in the park. Now, our, our, de- our ideas of traveling, uh, the danger of travel, I think, is lost on us. We can jump in a car and in an hour I can drive over swampland, I can drive over rivers on bridges, and I can go in an hour what would have taken 150 years ago a week to travel, depending on how I'm going. So it's lost on us how dangerous travel could be, but it's not lost in this song. The person who wrote this song knew the dangers of travel well. That's what he's talking about in verse 1. He looks up to the hills, right? But that's not a hopeful thing. He's traveling and he looks up to the hills and he says, Where's my home? Look at these hills. How am I going to get through these hills to Jerusalem? Where does my help come from? I see these hills. How am I going to get through them to my destination? And the dangers are detailed in the rest of the song. Will my foot slip? Will God fall asleep? Will I face dangers in the daytime or the nighttime? Will I be overtaken by evil? No wonder he cries out, where does my help come from? In verse 1, what am I going to do? What we see at the beginning of this psalm is a person who has looked up, they've seen the road ahead, and their eyes have fallen on the menacing hills in front of them, and they're wondering, what can I do? But to rest our eyes on the hills is to not look far enough. Because the psalm here invites our imaginations to look further. Behind those hills. To who? My help is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The psalm is reorienting our way of seeing the road ahead. There's no danger that can appear in these menacing hills that is stronger than His love. None. Nothing ahead in this route, as dangerous, as winding, as rough as it may seem, is stronger than his love and his commitment to me. With the danger of the hills that stand in the way from the traveler and his destination, the psalmist looks past those hills to see what? His north star. His place to put his eyes. Not the hills, but the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The place to put our eyes, or better yet, the person to whom we can look, the Lord God Almighty. Now I admit this is no easy thing, because sometimes in our life the issue isn't just that we're short-sighted. Sometimes the issue is the mountain is so humongous that it takes up the entirety of our vision. Sometimes that's the issue, that we look up and it's all we can see. 
Yet even those times, even when our faith has dwindled from a fire to a mere ember, we can cling to this, that God is not only there, but that He's declared His intentions for us in Jesus, that He is dedicated to showing us the immeasurable riches of His grace for us, both now and forever in the words of Ephesians 2, that that's His dedication. And even when we can't see our North Star, we know it's there. But the psalm doesn't just give us a place to put our eyes, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It also gives us a song to sing along the way, and that gives me my second section, a song worth singing. I have a buddy who's a music producer, and he's produced everything from like the heaviest of heavy metal to bluegrass, and everything in between, literally everything in between. But no matter what kind of genre he has there in the studio, when he's helping bands, he's helping artists work through their songs and craft these songs, he'll ask them this question, where's the hook? Where's the hook? Where's the thing that when somebody listens to this, it's going to catch them and bring them back? Where they're going to want to listen to this song again and again. Where's the hook? Now, you know, uh, Hebrew poetry from, from 3,500 years ago or 3,000 years ago doesn't, it's not pop songs from today. So, <laughs> but this song does have a hook. It's a word. That's translated for us in the way we just read in our, here in, um, in our bulletin is the Lord watches over you. Look at it. In those last six verses, it's repeated six times. The Lord watches over you. Or the Lord is your keeper. That's the Hebrew word shamar. Which is usually used to describe shepherds watching over sheep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your guardian. The Lord is your shield. He is your shepherd. That's the hook of this song. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord watches over you. It's repeated six times. And if you look through the psalm, there's a comprehensiveness to this list. The Lord is your keeper in all instances, no matter where your foot lands, both day and night. In the scorching sun, in the darkness of night, He will keep you from all evil. He will keep you whether you are coming or going forever your whole life. This is the hook of the psalm. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your help. He watches over you, not just in some things and at some times, but in all things and in all times. He who is powerful will use that power not only for his glory, but for your good. This is the song that is worth singing. This is the song to give us rhythm along our way. Now, our time is different. If you read through this, this doesn't sound anything like our, our traveling, as I mentioned that earlier. You're thinking, okay... This is a beautiful poem, but I'm not going to Jerusalem many times. <laughs> I don't travel on dangerous mountain trails. And if I want to avoid the scorching sun, I'll just turn the AC up. But make no mistake. It's no mistake that the New Testament takes this concept of journey and runs with it as an image of the Christian life. I mentioned this already, but we've been set on a path and our destination isn't physical Jerusalem in the Middle East on one of the three pilgrimage feasts, our path is set on what Scripture calls the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. Our path is the presence of God in the new heavens and new earth. When all things are made new, when all that is wrong is made right, when all that is crooked is made straight, that is what we are heading toward. The New Testament paints the picture of at the end of this journey for us, 
The completion of God's work, one of the pictures is a feast. A feast. With God as our host. A banquet thrown at His expense where we can eat in joy and safety with our hearts set free where we can drink the intoxicating wine of God's love for us and let it go straight to our heads. That's a picture of what awaits those who put their faith in God. And we've been set on the path. That's our destination. That's where God's leading us. Not to shame. Not to a place where He's going to let us go or leave us. He's leading us home. To him. And we've been set on this path, and like the pilgrims who would have sang Psalm 121 on their way to Jerusalem, we too need a song to sing on our way. We find it here. We have the encouragement that we will not be overcome by the dangers along the way. We will not be overcome by the illegitimate idols of this world. We will not be overcome by the very legitimate struggles of life. We will not be overcome even by the wiles of Satan in the kingdom of darkness. They cannot. The dangers are real. We may lift our eyes to the menacing hills of sin and the threatening accusations of Satan and even the deep-seated insecurities of our own hearts, but hear the call of Psalm 121 this morning. Where does your help come from? The maker of heaven and earth, the Lord Almighty, and let's lift our voices and sing this song worth singing. This all-powerful God is our keeper. He watches over us, and He will not fail to watch over us. He's proven this in Christ Jesus who was so committed to our good that He came to remove every barrier that stood in the way between us receiving what God has for us. He took it on at the cross. He wore our shame and our sin so there is no more wrath to be poured out. We are reconciled to God, period. That's God's commitment to bringing us home to Him. He is our keeper. So lift your eyes to Him. And let's claim the promises He's made to us together that none can snatch us from His hand. That He will lose none of His lambs. That He will be with us always. That He has all authority. And with that authority, He's declared us children of God. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our keeper. He's your keeper. But this isn't just a song worth singing, which it is. It's a song worth singing together. This is my last section. Pilgrims singing Psalm 121, they didn't travel alone. They didn't. When you went up to a pilgrimage, one of the festivals, if you were traveling, you didn't go by yourself. You packed up and you went with your family and with your friends. And this was a song that you didn't just sing individually. This song was sung together. We can actually see it in the structure of this psalm. Look at it again. Look at the first two verses. The reference in the first two verses is a question. It's the first person. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? But in verses 3 through 8, the rest of the psalm, it shifts to the second person. You, your. This is a conversation. This psalm is a conversation. It's meant to be sang to and with one another. Now, some scholars think it was meant to be sung back and forth, like a, there was a priest in Jerusalem, and he says that, you know, it, it starts off with the traveler going, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? In the first two verses, and you say, well, my help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And then the priest says, yeah, you're right. He won't let your foot slip. He'll keep you. And maybe that's true. 
that they sang it when they got to Jerusalem and there was this back and forth. But I think there's something beautiful at the idea of very ordinary Israelites, very ordinary travelers walking this path together, singing these words together. A father leaning down to whisper in his daughter's ear, The Lord is your keeper. A wife singing to her husband, The Lord's going to keep you from all evil. A man encouraging his worried friend, The one who keeps you will not slumber. In the same way, the pilgrimage, this journey of the Christian life, is not one that we were meant to take alone. We're not. We're in this together. And together we fix our eyes on our faithful Savior, Jesus. And together we sing this pilgrim song of confidence along the way. When I don't have the strength of faith to sing, you sing for me. When I'm tempted to take my eyes off of Jesus, you say, no, your help does not come from a bank account. Your help does not come from your good deeds. Your help does not come from any of those things. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And while we sing, we learn. Uh, I didn't include it in our worship service today, but there's a beautiful passage in Hebrews 2 that speaks about Jesus having completed His work of redemption and Him singing in our midst. Jesus as our worship leader. We develop this strength um, together and we learn that in the midst of our singing, when our singing is weak, Jesus is singing in our midst. He's singing of the great redemption that He's bought for us and what we have in Him. So when you're beaten down, lift your eyes and open your ears. See the great love of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ and hear the hopeful song of the redeemed, which if you've placed your faith in Jesus, that's your song. If you're here this morning, we're going to sing in a minute. If you're here this morning and things are going okay, I invite you to open your mouth and to sing loudly. Because your brother and your sister in this room need you to. Need you to. If you're here and things aren't okay, open your ears and listen. The gospel is being sung and spoken this morning by your brothers and sisters. You know, at the beginning and closing, at the beginning of this sermon, I mentioned the Underground Railroad and the songs they would sing to each other along the way to encourage, to challenge, to guide as they, they went along on this pathway, this dangerous pathway to freedom. So I'd like to close, actually, with the words of an unnamed hymn written by Harry Tubman, the most popular, you know, famous name related to the Underground Railroad. This is a, a hymn that she wrote. Singing to people in perhaps the most dangerous moments of their lives. Hail, oh hail, ye happy spirits. Death no more shall make you fear. Grief nor sorrow, pain nor anguish shall no more distress you there. Around him, that's Jesus, there are 10,000 angels. Always ready to obey command. They are always hovering around you till you reach the heavenly land. Jesus, Jesus will go with you. He will lead you to his throne. He who died has gone before you. Through the winepress all along. He who thunders shakes creation, who bids the planets roll. He who rides upon the tempest, and whose scepter sways the whole. The Lord is your keeper.